I got to that point and I didn't want to give it up. But the thing of it is, is that I didn't want that. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. Here's Scott. If you've listened to the Happen to Your Career podcast for more than just a few episodes, then you already know that we've shown you many stories of career changes and people that have made big changes in their their lives and their work. We have also talked with dozens of people on the podcast that we've personally worked with to be able to make these changes. But one thing that we've realized over the years is a lot of times that we've shown you just a snapshot in time. And we really wanted to be able to help you understand the full story. First of all, this is not just a one-time event. When you make a career change, it really truly isn't just a one-time event, especially if you are making an intentional career change to work that fits you, that allows you to be able to focus on where you're getting energy, where you are aligning with your strengths. This actually changes your entire life. And and as we continue to learn about ourselves and as we grow, our lives change too. And this sometimes comes in the form of things like family or having more kids or kids growing up or moving to a different city or a different house or developing new skills. What you want changes as a result of the changes in your lives. And we want you to be able to see the overarching picture of how this happens over years, not just a single snapshot in time after somebody has moved into a new role. So over the next several months, we're actually going to be bringing back some past guests from the podcast that we've had the opportunity to sit front row and be able to help them through our our programs and work with them. And we want to show you where are they now? And how things have changed since we last had them on the podcast. So today, this week on the show, we're bringing back Michal. And I want you to hear her story from where she was at a few years ago as she made her career change. And then tomorrow, you're going to hear a much more recent conversation that I had with her. So you can hear the differences in what has happened in between. (laughs) I think you're going to love this. It's very very compelling to see the amount of growth that has happened since she first learned how to approach career change and life change much more intentionally. So I get to do two things now that are my passion. Uh, One is, is that I'm a research analyst and I get to do research assessment statistics, which I love uh, for anything related to graduate school life at the university where I work. And I also get to do my second passion, which is researching cognitive psychology as a research scientist on campus as well. So prior to getting that role, Mikhail was at a different university and it wasn't really a bad job, but honestly, it really, it really wasn't right for her. And we got to know her after she had started to burn out at this role and that she'd stayed in this role for way too long. So I graduated with my PhD in 2011, but I left 
graduate school a year before I defended the big dissertation. Um, and it's pretty typical when students get towards the end of their graduate career is that if they land a job that they leave and they come back uh, and finish up those loose ends. Yeah. And I got my first position, which was a temporary position at a college in upstate New York. And it was really a big deal because this was a couple years after the recession and universities were not hiring. Um, and so I thought that, and I did, very, very big. So I was in that position for two years. I went back, I defended my doctorate. Um, and then quickly after that, I knew that my position was temporary, that I needed to find something more permanent. And so I went on the job market, as academics say, um, and I had several interviews, but I got one offer. Um, yeah. And this was what we call a tenure line job, academic job, which is, again, a huge deal because there's not a lot of those out there. Um, and that job was in uh, Maryland. And I was so enthusiastic. And my, my dissertation advisor was good. Um, and I took the job. I didn't really think twice because this is what my life graduate work was leading up to. Now, looking back at it, I never really asked myself the questions of whether I wanted to do this, right? Um, Interesting. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> yeah. which is normal, right? Many of us <laughs> right. don't do that. Yeah. And um, I want to say that the job that I had up to two months ago with that university was great, but it wasn't the right fit for me. And I think I knew that the first maybe month when I started, but I talked myself out of it. I said, well, you know, it's just a new job and this is what you've been working for. Um, and the troubling thing about that is when you don't fit the role, you don't fit the job culture, you get burned out very easily and very quickly. And that's what happened. But I, you know, I'm an ambitious person and I held on and I held on for <laughs> a lot longer uh, than I should have. And what the breaking point was is that I had my son uh, two years ago and, uh, and I didn't want to go back to work. And a lot of people told me, well, it's because you just had a baby and you want to stay home. I didn't want to stay home. I was happy to sort of transition back into work. I just didn't want to go back to that role. And that's what sparked the career transition. And I'm smiling as I'm saying this, but as I was going through it, I was very nervous. I was very upset all the time. I didn't know what was next. And I had a lot of fear in yeah. being able to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to come back to that fear here in just a second. But before that, I want to ask you about something that you said just a moment ago, which was that you felt like you hung on a lot longer than you should. And I'm curious, uh, you know, since you've recently been been through this through this journey, through the cycle, why do you think ambitious and high-performing people do hang on so much longer? Because I hear that again and again. And actually, uh, we just had 
another another graduate of Career Change Bootcamp that had come on the show. Her name is Louise, and and she mm-hmm. was talking about that as well. But we hear it all the time. So why why do you think that is? Why do you think that we hang on so much longer than we probably should? <laughs> I think because you're sort of working towards this goal. And in that process, what gets you through is that you want to achieve this goal. And that goal for me in graduate school was to get this tenure line job. And what it means to get tenure in academia, it means that you work really, really hard, a lot of hours for the first five years, then there's a committee of people who review all of your work. And if you get tenure, that means that you are permanent, you can't be fired, and you get a lot more flexibility and autonomy. And this is what, as academics, a lot of academics works towards. So I got to that point, and I didn't want to give it up. But the thing of it is, is that I didn't want that. Right. I I worked towards it, but I didn't want it. But I said to myself, well, I worked so hard. Right. It's sort of like this sunk cost effect. You invested so much time and to step away from it makes you feel like you wasted your time. And I don't think I wasted my time at all. I mean, there's a lot of value in a graduate education. There's a lot of value in any role that you take on. I think now I'm so much smarter to know that if something doesn't fit or whatever your gut is telling you, you're smart enough to know that, hey, you know, I I got here and this is great, but I'm going to move on. So I think this is a pretty common phenomenon among people who are very ambitious. You invested so much time and you get to that point and you look around and you're like, well, this is not really quite what I wanted, but I worked so hard for it. Why would I give it up? Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting though, that this really is something that can take a hold of so many of us, especially when we do work so hard for it. I mean, you're a you're a professor of psychology and very familiar yes. with the with some yes. costs and how that impacts your emotions toward different things. And yeah. still, um, and I think that's proof positive that it's difficult to be able to see yourself and recognize that you're in it when you're in it yeah. to some degree. So I'm curious then. You know, fast forward a little bit, you ended up having a baby and then all these people around you are telling you why you why you were experiencing (laughs) what you were experiencing. And it sounded like that really wasn't the case because you did want to go back to work. And what what happened from there? What else caused you to begin to look at this in a different way? So um, you might be able to relate to this, Scott. When you become a parent, your time becomes very, very different, right? And your priorities change. And one of the things that came about from not fitting in with the role that I was in is that I was frustrated and angry and I wasn't enjoying my family life. And I didn't want to spend my time that I was away from my son doing something that wasn't fulfilling to me. So the idea in my mind was, well, I'm sending my son to this wonderful daycare and he's getting a lot out of it. But that time that I'm away from him should be something that was very fulfilling to me. Um, And so that sparked the process. And I was Googling career advice on Google. And that's how I came came across your podcast. And I started listening to it on my commute home and I became 
uh, obsessed with it. Hopefully, find that as a compliment. Okay, I, I very much find that as a compliment. That is the highest compliment. Obsession is, uh, I would say, the highest compliment we can get. So I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it was after maybe one or two episodes that I listened to, I went on the uh, on your website and I filled out a request for coaching and I didn't know what to expect. Um, and you so kindly uh, emailed me back so quickly and you said that you were happy to have a chat. And I was so nervous because in my mind, I was talking to this career change God and I didn't know where I was going to go. Um, and we talked about some options. And one of the best things that I think that has happened to me in the past couple of years, besides having my son, of course, uh, was being introduced to Lisa Lewis. She was a she is a wonderful, wonderful coach. Isn't she phenomenal? Um, oh, my goodness. Yes. 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 Uh, yeah. She holds a very special place in my heart. Um, and all of like my whole family's heart. Uh, I talk about her a lot to my husband and, um, and, and from there it just sort of spiraled on. We had these really wonderful conversations and she made me think about things that I never thought before. And one of the things, one of the first questions she asked me to think about is what are the things that are really true of me? And when I started generating that list, um, I sort of understood that there were a lot more sides to me than just this job and that yeah. this job is not what is supposed to identify me unless I wanted to. And, and that's how the process started. So let me ask you about that, because I think that's another common theme that we see all the time, even if we don't intentionally, and I know this has been true for me, and I, I've heard the same thing from many of our, our clients and students, but even if we don't intend to, a lot of times, unintentionally, I think we find after the fact that we have allowed our career to uh, be our identification, for lack of a better phrase. Okay. So I'm curious for you, you know, as you started to untangle that, what was that, what was that process like for you? And then what did you start to realize instead? Well, uh, that process was very hard and I think I'm still going through it, uh, especially because it, from day one, when I started graduate school, I was groomed to be a professor. Um, and so it became really entangled in my, my identity. And what really helped was to look for opportunities that were fulfilling that I could still identify with. Yeah. And do I feel a little bit sad sometimes that I'm not a professor? Yes, but I don't think it's because of anything else besides of the fact that it just it's this transition and you know, it's just it's something from my past. Um but I I by no means think that I, or regret it in any kind of way. It's just I'm doing the same kind of work, yep. uh, just with a different title and a lot more flexibility and doing, I think 90% of my job is doing things that I like, which is tremendous. 
Right? That is tremendous. Most yeah. people barely have, you know, <laughs> ten or fifteen percent of their job that uh, right. that they really truly enjoy. So, and yeah. especially if it is lining up so clearly with other things that you value too, like that flexibility you're talking about, and like some of the other elements. So that's mm-hmm. that's super interesting. N- yeah. Now, how, you know, I know that you really during this time you actually started doing photography as well as yeah. a as a you know more intentional piece of your your life so how did how did that come about because i know that was tangled up someplace here in the process yeah um so i have a lot of hobbies uh i used to be a ballerina with a small uh, ballet company in upstate New York. I did that for a couple of years and I always had these other interests. And what I've noticed is when I stopped engaging in those interests, there's something going on in my life that is, you know, is not going quite right. And I was always taking photos. Um, And once I started my tenure line job, I stopped doing that. And I want to backtrack a second and say yeah. that um, in, in this process of transitioning out of this traditional academic role that I had, I actually took an unpaid sabbatical. So uh, my supervisor at that time uh, was very, very supportive. I spoke with him. I said that I needed a little bit of time and they allowed me to take an unpaid leave from my position. Um, and so and this was a difficult decision for you, if I remember correctly, very, too. Very, very difficult, yeah, right? Very, very difficult. So what prompted you to decide to do that? The thought of, this is going to sound really extreme, the thought of going back and teaching again just made me so miserable that I preferred to just struggle financially and not do it. How, uh, how long did so? And I am very familiar with that. I have, yeah. I have been in that same place where that thought is like, in some <laughs> ways. Um, and I, I think I took at the time. It's been you know twelve years or whatever it's been, but sure. uh, at the time it was probably a less healthy approach because I think for me it was less intentional than what I know that you did because you ended up talking with your your husband and planning it out and figuring out how could we yeah. do this and what would it look like? Mine was more, how do I do anything else but this? <laughs> and mine was running from, which is exactly what we tell people not to do. And so yeah. I, I would love to ask you a little bit about, you know, how did, what, what took place between the time where you started thinking about this and you're like, I I have to do something else. And this, this thought is making me miserable. Just the thought of it is making me miserable, let alone the actuality. And you know, what took place in between there and then taking the sabbatical? Yeah, absolutely. And I want to mention, I will tie this back to the photography eventually. (laughs) So what happened was, is that I um, had my maternity leave. I went back to work and a couple months Later, the semester started and I went back to teaching and that semester was okay. I just really slowed down. These tasks that I used to do really quickly felt so 
burdensome to me. I just wasn't as productive as I used to be because I just didn't really want to do it. Uh, when I came back after winter break, um, that's when things really started to break down. I, I found it was really hard for me to get up in the mornings. I didn't want to go to work. Um, and this was really unfair to the students that I was teaching because they weren't getting a professor that was there, you know, a thousand percent. Um, and that semester ended um, and I had a little bit of time to think during the summer. And as time was inching closer and closer to going back in the fall, I just had this really nagging feeling that I just I can't do this. Um, so my husband and I had some very tough conversations about what it would mean for me not to work for a few months and just take a break and step away. And, you know, there wasn't any doubt that we were going to do whatever it took for me to feel better. Um, and so we sort of planned ahead for this a little bit and put money away for, uh, you know, for me to be not working for about four or five months. And I went and yeah. spoke with my supervisor and I explained that I didn't give too much detail that I just wasn't feeling, I was feeling burnt out and um, I wanted some time. But at that point I didn't quit. Um, yes. What happened was, uh, so I started my unpaid sabbatical in August and then by September I had to let them know what classes I will be teaching starting in the next semester. And I looked at that email and I said, I'm not going back. <laughs> <laughs> this is and, not happening. <laughs> yeah. And so I I uh, spoke with him and I explained to him the situation. Again, he was very, very supportive and uh, it ended there. And so I said that come January 1st, I will be resigning from my position. And once I did that, I felt this burden and, and this heaviness lift off of me. But I was still very emotionally burnt out. So I wasn't working and I was supposed to be looking for another job. And the financial pressure was always there in the back of my mind, but I wasn't able to do anything. Um, I was working with Lisa for a good few months and I knew what I was supposed to do and she trained me very well. I just couldn't do it. And so I would wake up in the mornings with my son. Yeah. I would take him to, uh, I would drop him off at his preschool. I would come home and sometimes, uh, I will honestly admit this, I would sit on the couch and all I could do is just watch TV. Yeah. Um, and in my mind, I thought that I did that for a longer time than I actually did. I think it was maybe a period of three weeks. And one day I woke up in the morning and I just felt better uh, for what step. I don't know what made it better. And I started picking up my camera and I started photographing random things and posting them on Facebook. Um, and then I asked if anybody would be willing to uh, model for me for my portfolio because I just wanted to do it for fun. I didn't think of it uh, in any other way. And I got a lot of volunteers and I went out there and I started photographing and people were asking for me to photograph them. And so I started this little business on the side um, and I felt alive again that I was doing something that I was very passionate about. And that 
made me feel so much better that I think it was late October that I started applying to jobs and positions and networking. And once I was actually ready for that, the process went very, very quickly. So I think I mentioned this to you before that I, I, in that span of time, I applied to five or six jobs and every job I got at least a phone interview and an in-person interview. Yes. And it it was because I was hyper-focused. I knew what was going on. I was sending thank you notes, I was having phone calls. Um, And I don't know that I would have been able to do that while still working the other job. It was just taking up so much mental and emotional energy that for me, and I know that you don't recommend this to a lot of your clients, quitting was the best thing. It's, it's not right for everybody. And, you know, we get that question, uh, many, many times. In fact, we did a full episode on, you know, <laughs> how to, how to know whether or not you should quit. Uh, yes. I can't remember the episode number, but if you Google, you know, should I quit, uh, and happen to your career and it'll pop right up. But yeah, it is, it is a very, very particular thing that does not, it's not always the same answer for everybody. And it's an, it depends whether or not it's going to rewrite for you because actually some of the the pressures that you just called out can influence whether or not it's a great decision. And here's the reality that I've come to terms with is that it is, it's going to be difficult no matter what. A lot of times we get into the situation and we think, well, if only I had more time and if only I you know, didn't have this job in the way and everything like that, it, and then it would be okay. But the reality is one way or another, it's still going to be challenging. Yes. And it sounds like that was the case for you because you had the financial pressures on your mind. You were still in some ways, it sounds like recovering from the burnout pieces. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think that's one of the important things that we've observed that people must have, they must get, when they get to that point of burnout, they must get some kind of time away. And mm-hmm. then after that, like some kind of distance, sometimes it's not always time, sometimes it's space, but some kind of distance in some way in order to remove themselves from their, the, the real world of their situation and what it's been in the past. And then how they have to get momentum again. And it seems like you were able to do that through photography where you yeah. felt alive again. So I'm, I'm curious yeah. what, you know, as you, as you kind of went through that cycle, what did you mm-hmm. think the big pieces and big uh, takeaways for you that really, really helped you move through that? Because everybody goes through that in some ways or another. Yeah. I think being patient with yourself, the more that I pushed myself and the more that I, in my own mind, beat myself down that I I should be doing this and I should be doing that and I should be pushing harder. The more resistance I gave to myself, the more it took me away from the process and the more I had this aversion to figuring out my future. Um, And the moment that I stopped and I sort of let my mind engage in something else, that calmed me down. And, you know, those fears were still in the back of my mind, the financial fear that, oh my goodness, I'm never going to be employed again. What am I going to do? How much longer can we do this? Uh, Just on my husband's salary. But I, I, and I've heard this before, once you sort of give yourself some space to just calm down, you become more solution focused and you can sort of see a lot more clearly than when you're 
you know, hyper-focus and pushing and resisting where it's just, it doesn't get you anywhere. That's one of the things that we find that we are doing a lot of times with, with folks that we work with is helping them create that type of space. Mm-hmm. And it's not an easy, it's almost never an easy thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. for, for you, what, what, now that you have done that for yourself, yeah. what do you think helped the most to create some of that that space? I heard you say already that uh, that I just needed to stop being so hard on myself in some ways. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. what else do you think actually made the difference for you there, at least from what you can reflect upon now? Sure. So one is giving myself space. Two was in those days where I wasn't looking for a job, but doing something to occupy my time. It was photography. It was um, engaging in these day-to-day activities that was sort of preoccupying my mind. So I wasn't thinking about the job uh, process itself. And then I said to myself that I was just going to have conversations with people about what they do. And it wasn't about finding a job. I was just interested in somebody, you know, talking to me about what they do. So maybe that would spark inspiration for me. And I had so many networking conversations. And when I came at it in that perspective where I was just going to talk and I wasn't going to ask for anything else. Um, All of a sudden having these, I don't want to call them networking conversations. I don't know what to call them, but I would, you know, contact somebody on LinkedIn and say, Hey, I'm really interested in what you're doing. I would love to hear more. And they would be really eager to speak with me. And that sort of sparked my own journey to say, you know, one of the things that was stopping me from moving on is that I didn't want to do anything academic, right? So I just came from academia and I had this like aversion and I was just, I I wasn't going to go back. Uh, Surprisingly enough, I'm still in academia. Um, I still love academia and I needed to acknowledge that. And I just needed to have conversations with people who are doing academically aligned careers, which there are a lot of people who are doing it. I just restricted myself from it because I couldn't think beyond my current situation. And once I stepped away from it, um, it became pretty easy to do that. Yeah. And, and once I did that, things progressed very fast, I think. That is, that is so interesting. And we, we see that time and again, too. And I'm, I'm fascinated by the psychology elements of, of exactly that, where <laughs> you come out of something and, and then you're like, ah, I need to get the heck away from that. And you're yeah. sort of attributing that to, to be the problem when that isn't necessarily the problem. Sometimes it's, uh, it's something completely different. And, yeah. uh, and then, you know, many times people end up in a variation, not always, but like in your case, you ended up in still, still academia, but Mm -hmm. in a completely different way, in a way that was much more in alignment with what you wanted and needed. And first of all, that is amazing because I think that, uh, I I think that a lot of people don't really realize what that takes to be able Mm -hmm. to, to 
do the work in order to get yourself the time and space and every and all the conversations and all the the things that have to happen in order to be able to get to that point and have that mm-hmm. have that learning for yourself. But mm-hmm. second of all, you know, I, I would ask what what was the hardest part for you out of this whole thing, or what were some of the most difficult challenges for you out of out of this whole journey or piece of the journey? Oh my, uh, several things. As I mentioned before, letting go of the word professor being a part of my career identity. And once I let that go, that released me a little bit from the pressure. Uh, the other hard part was the financial aspect of it. Um, and I want to echo what you said before yeah. is that it's, it's a it's a dangerous thing to do, right? Um, and it's not, not for everyone. And in my position, there wasn't any other way to engineer it. So before, before deciding to quit your job, I, I would recommend to talk with your supervisor, whoever is uh, in a position to be a mentor to you and, and see what other things could be worked out. I, I think that's very, very important. In my situation, there wasn't anything else that could have been worked out. And that's it, really important for me to say, because I wouldn't wish that financial pressure and fear on anybody, especially if you have a young child <laughs> and yeah. you're trying to support a family. So I think that's really important. So in addition to this, identity crisis and this financial aspect and the pressure of like having to do something right now. I mean, those were two big things about it. And, you know, I have to own this, that I was the one standing in my own way. Uh, You know, it's, it wasn't that there's not a lot of opportunities out there. It was just me letting go and not trying to find the perfect next step. Uh, and, and I think that's really important. And, and that's the third aspect of this. That was really, really hard. Like when I was looking for something, the next step, I said, I need to do something that is perfect and it's going to fulfill X, Y, and Z. And that's really hard to do. Uh, and so you want to step into the process A, being very patient with yourself, being very kind to yourself and thinking about just improving from where you came from to where you're going to go and make sure that the next step is going to allow you the opportunities to grow. Um, One of the most fantastic things that I love about my supervisor now is that when I interviewed, he said that he doesn't expect for me to stay there forever. Uh, He wants to create opportunities for me to grow. And the highest compliment to him would be if I stay in this role for a while and then I move on to something else. And when he said that, I said, yes, this is what the process is about, is doing something that fits your life in that moment. And if it doesn't fit, being flexible enough to think about that I can always move on and I can always engineer my situation slowly um, to find something that fits better. That is amazing advice. And I think also going back to what you said that you were the one standing in your own way i yeah. think we've had exactly 
zero people <laughs> that that we've interacted with where the biggest challenges were something that was external. We, yeah. I, 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 my personal experiences, then that literally one hundred percent of the time, it the biggest challenges are us standing in our own way, which is not what what I think many of us go into this thinking. So that is that is amazing for you one acknowledging that and then two doing something about it and then yeah. um that's the not trying to find the perfect next step i think that is so valuable it's it's another type of pressure like you were talking about the pressure earlier right that is just another mm-hmm. type of pressure that we have a tendency to put on upon ourselves and then it causes us not to be able to find any step <laughs> right right Yeah, absolutely. And I think the difference between when I accepted the position that I'm in now and the one that I accepted when I moved to Maryland was that I accepted my other academic job as I started it. I was going to get tenure and I was going to retire from that institution. And I accepted this (laughs) job. Yeah, the end, right? And I accepted this position knowing that I'm going to do this for a while. I don't know how long. I'm enjoying it thoroughly as we speak. And at some point, I'm probably going to grow into something else. And just that, that mind frame, that different framing is so powerful, right? It's not something that I've ever started with any other job, knowing that, you know, I may need to move into something else. And that's very powerful. Well, in some ways, and I love what you're talking about. In some ways, it is really setting us up for different types of unneeded, uh, I hesitate to use the word failure, uh, because sure. I think really failure is actually good in a lot of different ways. And mm-hmm. uh, we try and engineer failure into a, a lot of different things that we do so we can have fast learnings. But it, it really is setting yourself up for whatever the opposite of success would be and the opposite of what most people actually want if we're going into it the way that that you did and and I did many years ago too where thinking that hey this is the end like yes. <laughs> because <laughs> you're you're leaving the job you're leaving all jobs one way or another <laughs> like yeah, yeah. there is whether you leave or whether uh, they decide you leave or whether I don't know you get to the point where uh, you pass away like something's going to happen okay. eventually somewhere something in life mm-hmm. is going to come up and so it is really an impossible thing to find that perfect place where you're going to stay forever. And yeah. So it, well, my, my last question to you and you've given so much great advice so far, what, what else aside from not trying to find the perfect next step and, and, you know, (laughs) getting out of your own way to some degree, what, what else after having gone through this, would you give as advice to people who are in that place back where you were way back when, where they might be thinking about their role and being like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And I'm trying to figure out what would be right for me, but what, what advice would you give them if they're back there to be able to really um, figure this out and let them know what's coming? Yes. Um, I would say, first of all, and I said this before, be kind to yourself, be patient, to yourself and that things do always work out. That's one. The other thing I would recommend is to keep on having conversations. Don't have conversations because 
So you're looking for another job. Have conversations with people who are doing things that are interesting because you're interested in it. And that's going to open a whole world to you that you don't know about because you're not having conversations. And when you, and I, I want to say that I'm a very introverted person. Uh, I, when I walk into a party, I'm not the center of it and never was. Um, but I can have these conversations now and yeah. I am still connecting and I'm, you know, even now where I'm very happy with my current position and I'm not looking to do anything necessarily uh, in terms of leaving or anything of that nature, I'm still having conversations. I'm having conversations with other people at universities. I'm having yeah. conversations with people outside of my department, learning about interesting things because I don't know what circumstance is going to change, which is going to spark another move or another desire for career change. And I, I think that's really important. And the important part of having conversations is about that it enlightens you about the possibilities. And when you hear about somebody who's doing something that is so fantastically interesting to you, it, uh, I don't know, for me, it's very inspiring and it's it keeps me going it, it keeps me growing um as a professional that is amazing i so appreciate that well one you know i said it at the beginning but i really do uh just appreciate and i think i think um i think i was trying to think what is the right word i'm struggling for words here as it turns out. But uh, yeah, I, I'm just really proud of the way that you have gone about this. I think that is a, another another absolutely correct term. And I just want to say congratulations again. And I appreciate you making the time to come and share your story with with all the, all the folks that listen to this uh, on a podcast that you've listened to and started out listening to. And that is amazing. Yes. Thank you. I thank you so much for the very kind words. And I hope that this is helpful for somebody out there. And I also want to say thank you for taking a chance on me and bringing me into the happen to your career family. Um, even now that I I've made this career change, I still tune in, I still listen, I still want to be engaged. And what you guys do is profound. I feel like my whole family feels that we are profoundly changed by having, we are empowered to take a lot more control or as much control as you can take. Um, and so thank you for bringing me in. Tomorrow, I want you to come back and listen to the much more recent conversation with Mikael and be able to hear the differences that have taken place in her life and some of the changes that she's made that became possible after she went through the time and effort to learn how to make this in much more intentional set of changes in her career and in her life. Hey, by the way, the very best way to do this is make sure that you're already subscribed to the podcast. That way, it just comes to your device automatically in your sleep. All right, tomorrow, come back, listen to Michelle's story, and you're going to hear some really surprising things that you wouldn't anticipate from just making one intentional career change. All right, we'll see you tomorrow right here on Happen to Your Career. Until then, I am out. Adios.